No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Hello and welcome to the first episode of This Is Not A Backup Plan. Today my guest is Rosemary Card, a small business owner based in Salt Lake City, Utah, who has founded multiple clothing brands and is doing lots of other awesome things that we'll talk a little more about later. But before I get into my conversation with Rosemary, I wanted to introduce you to me. I'm a communications professional living in Northern Utah. At different times, I've been a print newspaper journalist. I've been a public radio news director. And right now I work as a PR specialist at Utah State University. The reason I started this podcast is I used to believe that my life would start when I got married that that's when my adult life would start and that anything else I was doing in my mid-20s that wasn't being married and wasn't being a parent was a backup plan. And I don't believe that anymore. But as a single woman in my mid-20s living in Utah who grew up in a conservative faith tradition, I've had to spend a lot of time on learning that belief and really having the confidence to do the things I want to do with my life. And as I've talked with other women and observed other women in my circles, I know that this is not a unique experience. So my hope was to create a podcast where we could have those conversations about what it means to really live our lives and to really live the life that we have, no matter what that looks like. When I was 22, I was getting ready to graduate Utah State University with my journalism degree. And a few weeks before graduation, I was doing dishes and the thought came to me that I was starting the backup plan of my life. I was single. I wasn't dating anyone. I was going to work full time. And that was my plan. That was what I saw being the immediate things I'd be doing in my life. And I felt so sad because my life was awesome. It wasn't a backup plan. I had a job that I loved. I was working at a local paper and that was exciting in a time where it's harder and harder to find journalism jobs. And I was getting ready to go to Vietnam that summer with one of my favorite professors and with some other students from my program to do a short storytelling trip. And I was really excited for that too. And I loved having a paycheck. I loved knowing that twice a month money that I earned would come and that I'd be able to pay for the things I needed that I'd be able to cover the $240 rent on the room that I was renting and that I'd be able to take care of myself. And I was excited looking at a future where I would continue to work and where I'd continue to visit new places and try new things. And I was so sad that this had always been presented to me as this sad alternative to being a wife and being a mother. And so what I want you to know is that no matter what's happening in your life, It is not a plan B. It's just your life. Over the next nine or so episodes, I have interviews with people, with women from all walks of life, and we're going to talk about all sorts of things from making a place feel like home to being alone to finding your sense of style because this is your life and you should get to live it now. You don't need to wait to live it. My first guest is Rosemary because she's a woman that when I was in my early 20s, I saw living her life unapologetically as another single member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I 
felt so much permission and so much excitement to see another woman doing those things. And one of the things that I learned from Rosemary was the By the Blender story, which is a story of something that happened to Rosemary that changed her life. And it was a perspective that felt so liberating to me as another single woman growing up in a similar community. And so that's where this interview with Rosemary is going to start. She's going to tell us about when she bought the blender and what that did for her life. I'm so excited to chat with you today. To get started, can you just introduce yourself? My name is Rosie Card. I live in Salt Lake. I am the CEO and founder of QNOR, which is a LDS women's clothing company. And yeah, I just do a bunch of things. So one of the things you've done is you wrote a book and it's called Modeled Mormon. And that's where I actually first read the By the Blender story. I know you've shared it different times in different places, but that was my first exposure to it. And I loved it. I thought like this was so helpful and so encouraging. So to get started, can you share that story just in case people are listening, maybe haven't heard it before so they can have that context? So the By the Blender story. So when I was in my early 20s, right after graduation, graduating from college, I was working at the LDS church in the creative department, helping make films, specifically films for the 12 apostles and for the missionary department. And we were just coming off of a insane three months where I was a week in New York filming, a week in Utah, a week in Guatemala filming, a weekend in Utah, just traveling like crazy, really long hours, really high stress. And afterwards, I was feeling just completely zapped. And I wanted to treat my body better, be healthier. And I thought, dang, I really wish I had one of those really nice blenders because I would love to make like healthy juice and smoothies because I think that would help me just like feel better. But in my mind, like those really nice blenders were something that you got once you got married. It was something you got through your wedding registry. And I just decided in that moment that like I was done waiting for things. I was done waiting to do things or buy things or experience things that I was looking forward to. I was done putting those off until marriage. And so I got a Blendtec blender. It is so silly, but like my life changed at that point by allowing myself to make that one simple purchase. At that time, that was like a big purchase for me and allowing myself to spend money that way and something that was just strictly for me. It opened up so much possibility for me. A few weeks later, I was in a Relief Society class and someone made a comment and referring to, you know, I was in a YSA ward, referring to that stage of our life as like, a waiting period. I'm like, you know, we're just in this waiting period until we get married. And I was like, nope. I raised my hand and just said, we're not in a waiting period. This is our life. And I shared this story about how buying a blender helped me kind of transition into really fully living my life. And there's actually several women that I've kept in touch with from that class who were there at that time who also went that week and bought blenders. Or one of them went and bought Christmas decorations because she had been putting off like really decorating her apartment or her home for Christmas until she was married. And she was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm going for it. So everything just changed from that point. I allowed myself to stop making choices based on 
whether or not it would harm my chances for marriage. And I started making choices based on whether or not it was just the right thing for me to do at that time. And just trusting that whatever you believe in God or your higher power or whatever, if it was like the universe's will for you to get married, simple things like going after your dreams and trying to build your life would not hinder that. I just love that so much because I feel like when I was in my early 20s, I realized that I was thinking about buying dishes, doing things that like made the space I live in feel like home thing I was excited for that I was like waiting to do that when I got married. And so I was like, I'm still not in a good spot to do that where I'm like sharing a space with so many people right now with roommates. But when I have a house, like when I have a space that's my own, that's when I'm going to set these goals for. And then it was so refreshing because one day, I feel like a year or so after I thought that, I realized that I wasn't even thinking about in the future. I was thinking about as I budget, as I'm able to save, as I'm able to prioritize these things I'm going to do them. And I didn't even feel like I was waiting for my own space. I was waiting for as I was able to do those things financially, then I would start doing them. And I think that's a much happier way to live your life than thinking this event that's out of my control, like having a spouse, this event is when I'm going to do these things that are important to me. When in reality, there's a lot of those things that you can do right now or that you can start to plan to do on your own. Those are things that you deserve to do if they'll make you happy and if they're important to you. Totally. And I just got married at 32. And I probably had the plunder experience when I was maybe like, maybe 24, 23 or 24. So like almost a decade passed. And I just think how freaking sad it would have been if I'd spent the whole last decade, a third of my life up until this point, just holding off. I don't want to move to that new city and take that fun, exciting new job because there's less people there that I might have an opportunity to date. Like, no, go and do those things. I just feel so immensely grateful that I had that opportunity and I had you know people around me who supported me in really just living a full life because it would be such a waste. So I would love to hear then, like in about the decades since like you had the buy the blender experience and you feel like your life changed, what are some of the other key or big things that you feel like happened after you had the courage to start doing things that were important to you right now rather than waiting? There were a couple of big things. One, starting my business. When I was in college, I was studying broadcast journalism and I had hopes of becoming a nightly news anchor. And unfortunately, one of my professors, the person who should have been encouraging me to go after my dreams in this field the most, told me, you know, that's probably not a good job because you can't tuck kids in at night if you're reading the news. And I shifted my entire career path and it's worked out totally fine for me. That was, sounded like a fun job, but it wasn't like my end all be all dream to be a nightly news anchor. But I just think what if it had been? How sad that is that like myself or other women could be like toning down their dreams for hypothetical futures. It's so bogus because you absolutely can be a wonderful mom and still be working, even if it means you can't tuck your kids in at night. That's just so ridiculous. And starting my business for sure has been a huge thing. People have said things like, oh, don't you think men will be intimidated by that? Again, the like hypothetical children. How are you going to raise children if you're running a business and it just gets so, so silly. Rather than trusting that we'll be able to figure out certain dilemmas and cross bridges when we come to them, just like completely cutting ourselves off from opportunities 
to avoid potential difficult situations. So starting my business was one, buying my own home was another huge thing. I bought my home when I was 27. And again, people were like, you know, that's going to be really difficult. What if the man you marry already has a home? What if he doesn't want to move into your home? Like, All of these just bogus, bizarre things, that's not a real thing. And if I was dating someone who wasn't, was intimidated by the fact that I had a business or a successful job or my own home, like that is not the kind of person I want to marry. That's just such an important point. Something I've thought about is I feel like women especially are communicated, don't do this thing because that'll make it harder to get married. Almost like you're holding a husband-shaped place in your life. But even if you don't do all those things to make sure you have space for a husband, if you met someone you wanted to marry, they might not fit in this space. Like odds are they won't fit in the space that you left for them. And so the thought that you need to hold on to space for them doesn't make sense on so many levels. I have the hardest time believing that there's a significant amount of men who are told, don't go after that dream, don't chase that career or that job because of something to do with a wife. That never happens. We just have to see it for what it is. It's a outdated, unhelpful tradition, and there's not real truth and reality based in it. And so you just have to be able to laugh it off and saying like, that's so weird. I'm so sorry that you are still ruled by that, whoever is saying this bogus thing, but I'm not going to let that outdated idea influence my life. So as you were doing things like buying a house by yourself, which I think is a process that can feel very intimidating on your own, I'm anticipating people said things like this to you. But when I was shopping for a house and like in my house, people started talking about me in the plural. Oh, when did you guys move in? And asking about when I went to look at houses. Oh, what are you and your husband looking for? I think those things can make you second guess yourself. So what were things that helped you maybe have the courage to do these things that felt different? And maybe that even people were communicating like, oh, this is weird. You're doing this by yourself. And it's weird. What helped you have courage as you were doing those things? That's so funny that you had those things. When I first moved into my home, one of my sweet, sweet, sweetest neighbor, sweetest man, but the first time I met him, he came over and knocked on the door and said like a brief hello to me, nice to meet you. And then he said, can I speak to the man of the house? And I just said, I am the man of the house. But I think I was in a really lucky situation where when I was going through this process, I was surrounded by women who both in my church community and just my friend circles, I was surrounded by women who were buying homes. And my realtor was a good friend of mine, Miriam Boss. And she, at that point in time, I feel like she was on first or second home that she had purchased. Because of the women in the community that I was surrounded by, they had really normalized that, that it was, it's a smart, just a smart investment to make if you can. I'm really grateful for the women in my life who just celebrated that, pushed ahead of me and cleared the way to normalize it, which is what I hope to do when I talk about it. I am very proud of myself. And so I don't hesitate to share that. But also I want to help normalize it for other women to help other women see, oh, that is a possibility. And not only a possibility, it's a very realistic possibility. And it's a really happy thing if I choose to do that. What are other things that you've hoped to normalize? Just like fully loving your life and not seeing it as a waiting period or as like a plan B or 
anything like that. I like laugh about it now, but like a month ago, right before getting married, I was Marco Poloing with my friends who we were all single into our 30s together. And they all got married in the year or two before me. And I was crying and I was like, I want more time single. Like I, I felt like sadness to be leaving that stage in my life. But I also, it filled me with so much like pride that, wow, really, it wasn't just like a cute thing that I was saying to build myself up or to try to convince others that I was happy single. Like I sincerely was so happy and fulfilled in my life that it wasn't something that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get out of this. I can't wait to move on to the next thing. I definitely definitely went through like a phase of mourning that I was leaving this portion of my life or this chapter of my life. There's pros and cons and hard things and wonderful things no matter what stage of life you're in. I am a really big believer that we pretty much are all learning the same lessons. I say like we're just studying from different textbooks. Whether you're married or single, you're going to be learning patience. Whether you're married or single, you're going to be learning compromise. Whether you're married or single, you're going to be learning communication. The lessons are essentially the same. They're just important life lessons. It's just how you learn them that's different. I hope single women will feel more empowered to really relish in and celebrate the pros of being single. Like when you're married, you get to have a marriage and the parties and the showers and the relationships, like the really committed relationships and children and spouse, all those wonderful things. But when you're single, like you get freedom, which is sometimes I feel like we get shamed for that. Like relish in that. You have this wonderful opportunity to say, you know what? I'm going to move to a completely different state and try a new type of life. Take that opportunity if you can, or I'm going to try out this new hobby. That's something that I'm so grateful that I did. I really took advantage of the opportunity to learn new sports or new activities, new skills, which I just don't think my peers who were raising multiple children, they just don't have the time. That's not the opportunity that they have. Just really take advantage of the opportunity that you have because there are definite pros to being single that you just will not have when you're married. So I think take advantage of it while you can. Something through everything you shared that I seem to see is the reason this was a wonderful and exciting time of your life is because you were consciously choosing where you were at. You were consciously choosing what was important to you. I think sometimes being single, especially in a Latter-day Saint context, is framed as an accident. Oh, this thing happened because you're not married. But like marriage is framed as a choice. But I think a fulfilling life, whether you're single or married, is a conscious choice. And I wonder if you just wanted to share anything about the conscious choice of finding the fulfilling life that was important to you. I think it was a friend of mine who just was like, Rosie, if you want to be married, you could be married. And that's so true. If the goal was just to get married, we all could get married by 21. We all could find someone if we had no hopes or desires or anything beyond what that marriage would be like. We all could get married. But for me, that just wasn't the goal. The goal was to do like the right thing at the right time and to have the right relationship. Once I got to like my mid and later 20s, I didn't see singledom as a problem to fix. And I didn't see it as this bad thing that I was willing to make sacrifices and cut corners in order to rid myself of. My life was great. I'm not going to give that up. I'm not going to make a massive change to my life unless it's going to be like 
a massive upgrade or just like a, the right time and the right things. I was just thinking last night, looking at the relationship that I have now and the partnership that I have, I'm so grateful I held out. I'm so grateful that certain relationships that I really hoped worked out that they just didn't. I don't want to say like, just choose to be happy because I'm a huge advocate of like healthy mental health. I went through a lot of therapy across the last decade. Therapy is a huge part of that. And it wasn't always happy. Like there's a lot of lonely nights and a lot of heartbreak. My friends and I talk about after a decade of serious relationships and breakups, I don't know what it's like to go through a divorce, but I feel like I've gone through about four mini divorces that all add up to one divorce. That is no freaking joke. And we don't talk about that enough. That like single women you are dating and going through heartbreak, that's trauma. And therapy is so crucial for that. But I think you do on some level have to choose to live your life. You have to choose to enjoy it because there's enough messaging. And if you grew up in an LDS situation, you've been told your entire life, most likely, that on some level, true happiness won't come until you're married. And so you have to freaking fight to rewire your brain. It can be so hard and there can be so much shame and so much guilt and just embarrassment and loneliness and feeling singled out. All the feelings. I know all those feelings and I think that they're valid and real and the messaging that we receive from the time we are little girls is not helpful. It's not helpful to women who get married in their 30s or 40s, and it's not even helpful to women who get married at 21. Like, it's just not good. So I think you have to choose that you're going to see that for what it is, that it's just an outdated story that's been passed down, and just like close that book, and I imagine myself saying, thank you so much for sharing that story. It's not one I want to read again. I'm going to put that on a shelf and move on. And I am going to find a story that's more helpful to me. Find a story that is empowering and brings happiness and fulfillment. Because ultimately, I do not believe the loving, divine, all understanding, heavenly parents that I believe in. I don't believe that they want that story for me. I don't believe that like my savior died so that I could spend a significant portion of my life. If I live to be 90, 10 years is a lot. And I don't believe that they want me to spend that portion of my life just being sad and wishing that it was different. It seems so counterproductive to me. I made choices to give myself experiences. I made choices to put myself in new scenarios. I made choices to learn new skills and to just build out who I am and to really discover who I am in the process and take advantage of the opportunities I've had. And it's led to some really happy things. One example that might be helpful is like, five or so years ago, I was dating a guy who was really into golf. And sports are like literally the last thing on earth I have A, an interest in, B, feel comfortable doing. But I really liked this dude. And it was one of those situations where I thought, if I want to spend any time with him, I should learn how to golf. And I cannot stress how uncomfortable going golfing made me. I started going golfing with him and I had a friend, a girl, my best friend who was 
she was on the BYU golf team. So I would ask her to give me little lessons. And I started to try it out. And I was so bad at it. And I still am so bad. But through the process of dating him, it became like a fun part of our relationship. And when we broke up, I kept doing it probably initially in the beginning to try to win him back. (laughs) But then I ultimately was like, no, I really enjoy this. And so I'm going to keep doing it. I just discovered this part of me that like I never would have found because I was willing to put myself in an uncomfortable situation. And now golf is something I love and something that the person that I married, he loves. And so it's this great thing that we can do together where I may have just like written it off in the past and said, though, that's not my thing. Try stuff. Just try it. I love knowing that part of the conscious choices you're making was going to therapy, was getting professional help. Like to me, that paints such like a fuller picture of knowing there were conscious choices. If I need a blender, like I'm going to enjoy a nice blender. And if I want to try these things or develop these hobbies, I'm going to do them. And I'm going to make the conscious choice to have the support I need to have a healthy brain and to feel like my mental health. Like that is so cool to know because I think all of us, no matter where we're at, need that kind of help as we're trying to choose to live the life that we want to live. Whenever people say, I had a great childhood, I don't need therapy, or I feel like I've resolved any issues that I've had. I think it's a misunderstanding of what therapy is. I don't see therapy as just like a fix to problems. I see, see therapy as part of healthy maintenance. Oil changes are not there to fix problems with cars. Oil changes are there to keep a car running well. And that's how I see therapy. It's for me crucial because it's an opportunity, whether it's once a week or once a month or every other week to just be, if you have a good therapist, which is another struggle, but an opportunity to be fully heard and seen. And to, I say like to someone that's just going to fill up your cup. And so that you have enough inside of your cup that as you interact with other people in your life that you're taken care of and you're not expecting too much of other people just doing their best. My husband and I have been together now for almost like two years. We just got married, but it's we're coming up on two years of since we met and he's not my end-all be-all. I don't expect him to fill my cup with happiness. I don't expect him to perfectly see me and hear me and to contain me at all times. I don't think that's realistic. And so a therapist is a person that you can put into your life that is trained to be that and so that you can have healthier expectations of those around you. I love that. You've been so helpful and I've just really enjoyed chatting with you. Is there anything you'd want to add? Anything that we missed or that you'd want to share before we wrap up? It's so cliche and it's so simple, but just find happiness in the stage they're at. There's really hard life situations and I don't want to diminish those or try to say, oh, have a rosy outlook on really hard things. I don't want to do that. But if you're in a situation where joy and happiness is possible, I hope that you will show gratitude for that by taking advantage of it, knowing that not everyone in every situation has that opportunity. For people who might want to follow you or see more of what you're doing, where are the best places to find you? I'm just on Instagram. So my personal Instagram account is just at rosiecard, R-O-S-I-E-C-A-R-D. And then my company is at qnor, which is q.n-o-r. Thank you so much, Rosie. It's been so good to chat with you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to my first episode and thank you so much to Rosie for being my first guest. You can find this podcast on Instagram at not a backup plan and you can find me on Twitter at Madeline K. Both of those will be in the show notes. If you'd like to support me, the link for my Patreon is in the show notes as well. And please leave a review if you've enjoyed listening. I'm so excited to chat with you next time. And remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B.